This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. And can we give God some praise for some amazing worship band, our worship team, our worship pastor? We just want to give it up because they have really brought us into the presence of God. And I want to encourage you to come in with boldness and confidence. We serve a mighty king. Amen. Over and over, I had an image of the throne room. And it was just amazing. I could hear the songs of your voices stirring as I was sitting on the front row. And it was like I heard the music here and I heard the music there. And it was like I heard angels sing in the presence of God. And so I just want to say to someone out now that if you're, maybe you're at home and you're wondering about some desperate times, come on out. I want you to encourage you to get in the house. It's like getting in the river. You can watch others go in the river, but when you get here in the river, I'm telling you, it's life transformational. And we surely have had an encounter with God. I want to encourage you as we go into this time with the word, the Lord has something to say. He has a heart beat that he wants to reveal to your heart and it's a question of where your heart is but before we can go into the word I just want to take a moment and honor our senior pastors Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy can we give it up for them amen we truly serve some amazing servants of the house I'm looking to several of our pastors here isn't it great to be serving among some of the greatest most wonderful pastors we've ever been able to experience I'm telling you I've served a lot of churches but this church, this leadership. They have such a heart of God. I'm telling you, they're genuine. They're authentic to the core. And they just want to lead you into the presence of God and to fulfill his great mandate and his mission. Amen. And so it's great to be serving under great pastors. I would not be here today. Pastor Nadine would not be here today. Other pastors would not be there unless they had been putting their hand and their thumbprint on our lives. So I genuinely say that beyond words. I mean it beyond in my heart of hearts. We have some amazing pastors, amen. So we could give it up for them. They're away at the moment getting some R&R and we just want to bless them and continue to pray that time extends for them and they can enjoy each other and just get rest and some relaxation and come back on fire for what God wants to do, amen. They'll be back here this next week. So be praying for their traveling mercies on way. But before we jump into the word, I want to encourage you, we're just taking a moment and ask God's uh, blessing to be upon his word. His anointing touches the word. His presence goes where his word speaks. And so we're just asking, Holy Spirit, do what you can only do. Cut deep to where you can cut deep. I may be a man, I may be a vessel, I may be a voice, but nothing can cut and penetrate like the spirit of God. Amen. And for every Pentecostal in the house, you know what we need. When we mean the Pentecostal spirit of God, that spirit cuts deep. It has power. And you can be in a moment where you're in one pit and God can put you on some solid ground in the next moment because the spirit of God is being released in the house. Amen. For those that are in the living room, I just hope the spirit of God hits you at your core right now, right where you're sitting. Let him touch you change you, transform you. I believe it's going to be a powerful time today. Amen. Can we give God some praise? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We could just stay in that moment of worship forever. Lord, there's nothing like the tangible, manifest presence of your glory, God. It's what our revival service is sought after. It's why we come to the house of God. When two or three are gathered in your midst, God, your presence is in the midst. And so, Lord, we come together before your word. Lord, I pray that you would assign the words of God to our heart and to our mind and to our soul and to our spirit. Get it into our bones, God, so that it would touch our feet and our hands and do the impossible. Lord, we are here but mere flesh, God, animated, animated by the spirit, a breath of God dwelling and living in us. We are nothing but just dust without you. So, spirit of God, do what you can only do. Spirit of God, have this place. Have this pulpit, have this stage, have this word, and have every heart and mind in the house of God. Lord, I pray that as we walk away from this place, we would say, surely we have been in contact with the presence of God. We've not just heard a teaching of man, but we've heard the heartbeat and the voice of the Lord Almighty. God, we love you. 
We praise you. God, come against anything that would hinder us to hinder your word. Come against any spirit in the house that would want to block or abort the purposes of your word. God, have your will, have your way. We lay our hearts before you. Speak to us now, we pray. In the mighty, strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God some praise? Amen. We have a lot to cover in the next 35 minutes, but I want to encourage you right now to grab some notes if you can. Some have said they're having some difficulty with those notes. If you need to pull out the old note app, you can. I'd encourage you to take some notes as the Holy Spirit reveals some thoughts. I believe when God speaks a word, often there is one agenda, but the Holy Spirit can have a supplementary agenda. How many believe that to be true? You can come in from one expectation and God says, no, no, I have a different word I want to give to you. So as the word is going out, I truly believe if there's, I don't know, 800 in this room, there are 800 sermons that are impacting all of us separately and personally because our God is a personal God. Can we give God some praise? Amen. We're in our second installment called Break the Bank. Break the Bank is a term often used to describe a situation when you've run out of cash. Have you ever been in that moment? Right? Where you've just been broke. We've all maybe experienced that. I don't like being broke. Come on now. (laughs) God has a different plan than just being broke. He has a plan for being financially blessed. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel, but we are called to be stewards of the Most High. We're not broke because we have the endowments of God the Father given to you and I as sons and daughters of the Most High. Can we give him some praise? Come on now. He's a good father. But we have to change our mindsets. As Pastor Christian had said this last week, we've got to move from the ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality. We have to recognize that what we have is no longer ours. Our life is not ours. Our stuff is not ours. In fact, our life belongs to God. Our stuff belongs to God. And he gets the glory through it all. Can we give God some praise? So if I'm building a foundation for my financial health or even the blessing that God wants to build in my life through finances and being a blessing to the world, it starts with the establishment that God is the ultimate owner of all things. And he gives to me or entrusts to me the very precious resource of my time, of my energy, of my ministry gifts, of my ministries, and yes, my families and its finances. This really hits home. And as we looked over the last week, there are three points that we touched here. Stewards are entrusted with the owner's resources. Number two, stewards protect and expand. Say expand. The owner's resources. It's not just for us to maintain it and spend it, but we are to grow it. Whether it be your spiritual gifts, whether it be your time and your energy, your ministry, your family, your impact. We are to take the very precious resources of God and expand it for the kingdom of God. Stewards are also accountable for the owner's resources. Too much is given, right? Much is required. To those that were faithful in the little, more will be given to them. There are scriptures after scriptures, more than the amount of scriptures on hell and heaven about stewarding proper resources. But this is a lost teaching in the gospel. This is a lost teaching because either we err on one side and we're after a prosperity gospel, or we take a poverty mindset and think that God just wants all of us to be poor. There are falsities in both of these perspectives, and in the middle, God calls us to be stewards of his mighty resources. Amen? I want you to imagine, though, as we're taking this journey, you jump on a road called financial road, whatever it may be, financial life. And as you've been on that road, maybe perhaps you've had some ups and you've had some downs. Maybe you've gotten a new job, you got a new raise, you got a little refund check to you, and that's a great reward, amen? You were able to buy a house, maybe, maybe you got that lease or that car, and those blessings are great. But also, with those blessings on that road can be some difficult pits, right? You've maybe wondered, how am I going to pay for the food on the table for my kids? Or how do I pay for school? Or how do I pay for taxes or insurances? How do I pay that average car payment in America of $551? God, where are you going to meet me on this road? And all of a sudden, as you're walking on this road, you come to a fork in the road. And the fork in the road says, God's way or your way, which road do you take? 
It's God's way. Now here's what happens. We all face ourselves in this fork and this fork that we're dealing with is a question of do you trust God and the wind of his provision and the wind of his favor and the blessing that is upon his way of doing things or will you continue to walk the same pathway that you have always walked let me tell you this pathway and the choice to do it God's ways is not for the faint of heart It's not for those that are faithless. It's for the faith-filled walking people. Am I talking to somebody today? If you believe that God can touch your health, how many know that he can touch your wealth as well? Come on now. You trust God for your relationships. Do you trust him for your finances? Come on now. You trust him in every other area of your life, but what is it about our culture that says, God, I'll trust you for everything. Just don't touch my money. It's like we hoard it, we carry it, it's ours, don't touch my money. God, don't, 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 don't touch my money, right? I mean, you might be walking in an aisle going down a Publix and you see a single mom and she's picking up two cans of soup and she's wondering which can of soup can she afford and instead of you giving the $50 to that single mom because she's too broke to buy that soup, you keep on walking by. He can't have access to my money, God. Now think about it. Many are living on this road. Maybe you want to bless that single mom, but you can't afford to do so. It's because alignments are out of order. It's because you've been walking on your path and not God's path. Can I tell you, in one secret moment, God could elevate you, God could bless you, and move you into glory with great blessing if you could just surrender your life to the Lord in this area of our life. It's almost like God goes into the inner caverns of our heart with a flashlight and he says, yep, this area has been consecrated to me. Yep, that area has been consecrated to me. Yes, this area has been consecrated to me. But there is a door with five locks on it, dead bolts, and it has our finances on it. And God says, I want access to that door as well. What do you do? Come on now. We as the people, the church, have to realize that we serve a God that has all the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen? He owns the thousand hills. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. Amen? And so when we come to this moment, we're at a fork in the road. Point to your neighbor and say, we're at a fork. You may not realize, but if you thought you were on the road by yourself, you are now at the fork right now. Many of you will walk away making a decision, and that's the real heart of it. There's some truth to this that I want to encourage you, that if you continue to do life your way, you will continue to find yourself in the same pathway. Never having enough, never being fully satisfied, always wanting more, comparing what you have with others, falling into the traps that this world has entrapped us with. But if you do God's way, there is an amazing favor that begins to bless you because you put his way first. We're going to talk about this today. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. I've got it from the New King James Version. I like the translation, so I decided to go to an old school version. Amen? How many like the King James Version here and there? It doesn't have all the these and thous. I like that too. Sometimes, you know, when Pastor Moses comes around, he preaches from the King James Version. I'm like, that just feels so deep to me. How many grew up with that version, right? You know, and we got these NIV translations and they're great, but I, I want to go back to a translation here that uses a word like mammon. The scripture says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he else he will be loyal to the one And despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, some of your Bibles might say money. We're going to talk about that a little later. Jesus uses the word mammon, not money. And there's a purpose behind it. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, all things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall be added to you. Let me say that again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Let's say it again for importance. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can I tell you, we live in a world of urgencies and priorities. The urgencies of the priorities often of this world become our priorities and urgencies. We, we begin to say, as the world says, YOLO, you only live once. So live it up. Do whatever you want to do. It's all about me first living. How many have been there and lived there and experienced that lifestyle? All of us. I, I probably have experienced that. What it felt like to put our life first before God. See, God is not first in this world. I am first. That's what our culture t- teaches us. It's what speaks to us every time we pick open a social media advertisement or whatever. All the allure of the nice cars, the nice houses, the nice vacations that people are doing. And they're all kind of posting their best, most epic experiences of life. And then you look at your life and you're in the middle of your living room. You're going, my life feels like it has no value. How many have been there? Come on now. And so if you don't have it, you'll fake it until you make it. You'll get a couple credit cards. You'll live like the rich just because you have an insecurity of your true value. See, Jesus here is speaking about priorities. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says, if you can align your priorities first and foremost with me, I'll take care of the rest of your life. Instead of us taking care of the rest of our life and then leaving God with the leftovers and say, then I'll seek you. God says, I want you to begin to seek me first and what I desire to accomplish through you. That's the kingdom of God's righteousness. Then I will come to you and take care of your what you wear and where you live and how your kids are going to be fed. And that single mother in the middle of a public's line and they can buy more than one or two cups of soup. Can we give God some praise? Amen. See, when God blesses us, it's because we have prioritized the power of his presence in our life. To Adam and Eve, God said, eat of, this tree, eat of any tree you want except for this one. In the Ten Commandments, the first law, he says, you shall not have any other gods before me. That establishes the rest of the other laws. In 1 John 5, 21, John, Jesus says, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. But what has happened in our day and age is we have turned our finances into an idol. Have you ever lived for it? You dream about it. You think about it. You judge yourself according to what others have by it. This is the God of the age. Do you understand what we're talking about? When we get to a place in the end times, we're going to even see that the Antichrist will have not just a military power, but he will gain hearts because of his economic power. And so this whole idea of taking the mark on your forehead or on your right wrist or whatever it might be is because he's going to prey on your fears. You'll never have enough unless you take the mark. He knows how to get our attention. How many know when God wants to get your attention, he touches your wallet. Amen. Come on now. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, right? It's often, as one of the great theologians often said, Billy Graham says, I can tell you where your heart is if I can take a look at your checkbook. I can take a look at your checkbook and I'll tell you what you like to do, where you place your energy, where you place your time. Is it fun? Is it in just vacations? Is it expensive cars? Is it about clothing? Do I see a God line, an item of giving on your life? See, it's one thing to say one thing and say, God, I trust you with all things. But then when you live it out in the day to day, when the rubber hits the road, do we actually stay on the pathway that God has given to us? And we see it in our demonstrable acts. We as the people of God have 
to come to a moment of questioning what we truly serve. And Jesus compares and contrasts two different idols or two different places of worship. One, God, do you trust me and me to provide? Or number two, do you trust mammon? We're going to break this down. The first question I want to ask you, though, is where do I find my value? Does my value come from the things I possess? Is my value dependent on what I have? What neighborhood you live in? What car you have? Do you judge your value by your possessions? Do you uh, value others by what they have or what they don't have? Do you look at others that have less and say, I'm better than them because they have less? Or do you look at others that have great amounts and say, you know what? They're better than I. See, God is going to help us understand that our value cannot come from what we possess. Do you realize the definition of rich, depending on where you go around the world, could be you could, be a, you could have one goat that produces milk in one country and be very rich. And in another country, like America, you don't even think rich doesn't even touch like a billion dollars. How many believe that? Like, unless you hit billionaire status, it's like you're just an average millionaire. Come on now. And the reality is there is no difference in joy between having money and, and having less. So the question here is, where do I find my value? Malcolm Forbes, we remember the Forbes magazine famously said, he who has the most toys wins. That was his lifestyle. That was his philosophy on life. If you have a lot of toys, you are winning. Think about how hard that is. And we grow up with these stories. We grow up these images. We, we're going through social media and we're developing value systems that are of this world. And then when we get into the church, we're like, God, you really can't touch these other areas of my life. So I am going to go to another kind of idol. It's called mammon. I want to kind of break down the spirit of mammon here really quickly here. Mammon is uh, not just money, by the way. Uh, if Jesus wanted to say money, he would have said plutos, the Greek word for money. He doesn't say you're worshiping money. You're worshiping, he says, mammon. Now, mammon is, an, uh, is a Babylonian idol. It used to be what the idols of Babylon, they used to worship this idol, and they began to trust in this idol because this idol would bring them blessing and financial favor. And so Jesus is saying, listen, we may not be in Babylon, but the spirit of mammon is still living. Can I tell you, you can destroy an idol, and the spirit of the idol can still live on. Come on now. How many have experienced this right now? Some of you have an experience with mammon. You may have never established a little idol in your house and called it mammon and brought it grain and food and gave it some money and treated it with candles and all of that like some idol worshiper. But you do, when you get paid, you say to yourself, thankfully, I have security and value in what I've made. What you're saying to the spirit of mammon is, that's right, keep on believing that. I put my trust in mammon. See, we're either in the spirit of mammon or we're in the spirit of God. God himself is our provider. We covered a few weeks ago Jehovah Jireh being our provider. Is it Jireh or is it mammon? This is critical. Let me tell you, mammon will deal with your sense of value. It will convince you if you believe it and you worship it that if you had more, many more would uh, respect you. If you had more, people would give you significance. If you had more money, you would live a better life, a more joy-filled life, a happier life. If you had more money, listen to this, you will have ultimate security. Let me tell you, even if you have a lot of money, the spirit of mammon still makes you afraid, right? I, I wonder if what I have will be taken from me. I, I have all my money in investment accounts. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my business. I'm afraid I'm going to, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Can I tell you, that is all mammon speaking to you. That is mammon. Where do you derive your security and value? The second question deals with the security question. Where do I find my security? Where do I place my trust when the, you know, accounts get a little low? When I run out of cash, is my security tied to what I financially own? This is different than the value prospect here. Value says I have value because I have a lot. 
Security says, I need to maintain or keep or grow what I have. If not, I don't feel very secure. Do you realize when Jesus steps in, he says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. If I can take care of the birds, how much more valuable are you? Why do you worry? Do you realize that worrying won't add one cubic? It won't add one single day to your life. It won't even change your environment. Nothing. In fact, can I tell you what worry really is? It's faith in the wrong direction. It's faith in the thought that I will probably not have enough to make it. And yet we have an eternal God who has all things, eternal resources. He has so much in his pocket. He is so wealthy. He is so rich. Listen, the common streets are made out of gold. Could you imagine going out there on the streets of commercial, digging up that road and it was just chunks of gold? It's disposable. So much gold in heaven is kind of like it's a street pavement. And yet we've lived our life for the gold. It's no different than if we just stored a bucket of dirt and then we assigned our value to that dirt and say, because I've got more dirt, I have more value and I have more security than you. And then I flaunt my dirt with your dirt and I say, I'm better than you because I have more than you. Or I don't feel as valuable as them because they have more dirt than I do. The reality is, where do we establish our value, and where do we establish our security? We can't add, look at this, by worrying one cubit to our stature. If God cares for the lilies, if God cares for the, the birds, he's got you. Amen? Point your neighbor and say, he's got you. Amen? So the spirit comes in, the spirit of mammon, and he comes in and he says, listen, come and worship me. Believe in God all you want. Go to church all you want. Go to encounter. Do school of discipleship. Even if you want to tithe, that's okay. But just don't trust God. Don't trust God. Some of you are maybe stepping into retirement and you're going to wonder, how is God going to provide for the next 20 and 30 years? And you're looking at your retirement account and you may go, you know, I've got a little amount of 401k savings. I don't know. Can I tell you God will provide? Amen. Can we give God some praise? Some of you are contemplating marriage and you're too, you know, you're a single now and you're like, man, I have all these bills and all these things. I don't know what to do. And I've got a future. I want to look ahead and I'm such in crushing debt and I don't know what to do. And I'm about to marry this other person who's in crushing amounts of debt. I don't know what to do. And God is saying, listen, will you trust me with your resources? Because I've got you. Do you realize that your worth is not connected to your net worth? But in this day in society, it's all about our net worth. And our net worth and our worth go together. So if you wear those Gucci shoes and those Louis Vuitton bags, even if they're fake, you'll fake it until you make it. You want people to know you've made it. Come on now. You see it. If you want to know where to get it, go down to Miami. It's five bucks a bag. Come on now. I've seen some of your bags. I know. I know. <laughs> Try to take back that to Nordstrom and see if you get a return. I guarantee you they will not return the bag. When mammon is in control, this is what happens. Okay, we've got like income, right? Now, this is like a bag, you know, and we make a lot of money, right? And we're sitting here and we're going, okay, Lord, whatever money I make, God, you're going to put in my bag, right? But this is mine, you can't touch my money. You can't touch what I have. And so as we continue to walk around, well, what we think is ours, guess what happens? How many have experienced this? You could be making six figures, and whatever you have, you still are going paycheck to paycheck. And, and you go back, and you're like, okay, maybe I'll get a raise. I'll ask my boss for a raise here, you know? And, and then, and then I, I'll throw some... Come on, Lord, I'll work some extra few more hours. I'll work some overtime. And you're walking around and you're, what, what is going on? It's the devourer that's in operation when things are not prioritized. So we're hoarding and we're thinking, but, but I got holes in my pockets. 
How many know have experienced this? Oh man, that AC just broke. That car transmission just got shot. I was in a car accident and now they want $5,000. Come on now. And you can be upside down in just two seconds. God, this is what he did with Israel. You're going to put some shoes on you. You're going to walk around for 40 years and your shoes won't even wear out. That's when God touches you with his blessing. It's crazy. So the question we always begin to ask is, what's the mindset that needs to get broken? The mindset that has to be challenged in your life and mine is I've got to go from me first to God first. As simple as that sounds, let me tell you, it's a hard, lot harder to apply. If it's all about me, myself, and I, then it comes down to anything in my life, any resource, your time, your energy, your spiritual gifts, your family, your resources, whatever. I can't serve in ministry because I don't have enough time. Have you ever said that or heard that or, you know, hey, why don't you join a life group? I'm just so busy right now. I can't do that right now. And you know that when you go to get a life group, all of a sudden you find you have more time. Amen. When you go to church on Sunday, it seems like your weekends are extended. I mean, everything, when you begin to reorder and reprioritize everything, it's like God redeems it and he makes up the time. I'm telling you, ask any tither, ask anyone who's walked with God as the priority. I am tired. I've been delivered from me first living. Come on now. Amen. We've all sat at the altar of mammon. One point or another. Come on now. If you have nothing, you've worshipped mammon to get more. If you have a lot, you still worship mammon because you're afraid that you're going to lose what you have. Mammon impacts everybody. And Jesus is saying, this is the contrast. Which one will you serve? You either love one or you will hate the other, but you cannot worship both. You cannot trust God with every other area of your life and say no to him in your resources and in your finances. So in order to break mammon, this is what we've got to begin to do. I want to give you a few principles, a couple principles here. The first one is we got to give God your first and best. Can we say it together? Give God your first and best. Is this a tide talk? Yes, it is. This is the truth of God being revealed to us. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Underline that of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. In this time, if you had crops or you had sheep or you had animals, it wasn't just the first, but you gave your best variety. And so God is simply saying, I want your offering of your first and your best. Now today we're not maybe cattle brokers and cattle dealers and we don't sell milk and cheeses and we don't have orchards of different fruits and crops. And so we make a living by other means. And so God is simply saying whatever income you make, whatever means you have, I have a claim on it for 10%. So how do I put God first in my finances? The answer is simple yet seemingly so difficult for many is the tithe. It's the tithe. The tithe is a blessing. In fact, if I had Olivia growing up and my first daughter says, I got this guy who I'm really interested in. I don't care what he wants to do. One of the questions I'll ask him in the area of his own life is, are you a tither? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because I'm about to give my daughter to a man that's supposed to, quote, provide for her. But if he doesn't derive his provision in God, he doesn't orient his priority in God, I don't want my daughter marrying him. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because I don't want her to live in that struggle. I'm very serious. Why? Because it's God's resources. I was talking with an individual this last week. They were thinking about retirement, and I'm saying, listen, if you're going to give your inheritance, listen, church, God's money, the inheritance that you have, make sure you give it to your children who are working and following and serving the Lord. Don't give it to the unbelieving children. Why? It's God's money. If they're unwilling to honor God and serve God, why should they get God's money? 
If I have lived my life under the provision of God, you follow what I'm saying here? They, this is God's money. This is God's opportunity. And my stewardship doesn't go to sinful children who don't want to walk with God. It goes to children that will serve the Lord. Amen? Oh, but I, I don't know about my son or daughter. I don't know if they'll, I mean, they'll really hate that. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's a good incentive. Amen? Get in a church and you'll have an access to the, to, the, to the money that's left over. Amen? I got that idea by Dave Ramsey. I thought it was an amazing idea. He simply said, listen, the lawyers are going to come in. You're going to have to show evidence that you're a follower of Christ Jesus. If you're not, you don't get any stake in what I have. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Because he says, it's not my money, it's God's money. I would not give God's money away to pagan people, to lost people. That would not be a good steward. It goes back to God. But what we're saying here, right here, is the tithe represents 10% of everything I make in the increase. My income, my job, my business, whatever it may be. When God did this in the Old Testament, he says, I want the 10% of your flocks. When the angel of the shadow of death came through Egypt, he says, I'm going to take out the firstborns if they're not under the blood. But for you Jews, I want you to consecrate every one of your firstborn. For if you don't, I will take them by death. So they're mine all the way to begin with. Either you dedicate them, you give them to me, or I take them from you. Isn't this crazy? So if we don't align the priority right, then what happens is mammon has access to wreak havoc upon our life. We invite that spirit to always cause things in our life until we get to this fork on the road that says, God, I'm tired of living the same way I've always lived. I'm tired of trying things my own. Every time I get a raise, I still don't have enough money. I still can't afford to give. I still can't do this. I still can't do that. All the things that we say to the Lord, it's because we haven't come into alignment with what God has asked us to do. See, if God owns all of our income, all he is asking is for the 10% back. Now the question is this, why does God need my money? If he's got all the money in the world, what is this? I remember hearing an interview from Bono, remember the great singer of the U2 band. He says, I don't understand why God always needs my Why do churches push this idea that God needs my money? God doesn't need my money. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. The money's connected to the heart. If you can't trust him with a 10%, you're not going to be able to trust him with the 100%. Now think about this, you have two options. Either you give God 10% and he blesses you, or you and live off 90 with that blessing, or you live on 100% without God's blessing at all. But you've allowed the devourer to come into your life. This is scary. Did you just hear that? Did you catch that? It's better to live on 90% and have God's blessing than 100% and not have the blessing of God, 100% and not have the blessing of God on my money. But God, it belongs to you all the time. No matter what you want, anytime you call from it, it's yours. It's one thing to say that, it's another to live it out, and that's the tithe. The second thing, though, I want you to see right here is that we have to trust God to redeem the rest. So the first thought is, I give God my first and best. The second point is, I trust God to redeem the rest. How is he going to redeem the rest? He's going to step into the 90% and supernaturally bless it. He's going to take the 90% and he's going to bless it. It's not been blessed yet. This is all over scripture. You see this with the firstborn. Jesus himself was sent as God's greatest blessing, right, to us. His first son, his best. He already demonstrated through it. But because of Jesus was given to us, he was able to redeem the rest. That was us. So we come into a life with Christ Jesus. We have the blessing of Christ Jesus because the Father in heaven first sent Jesus for us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? His only begotten son. He gave it, and then God would bless the rest. We saw this with Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to give you a blessing of many children and land and all this great stuff. I want Isaac. Isaac's mine. I don't know if you've ever done this in your own family, if you've had children. We have dedication services. Why do we dedicate and consecrate our children to the Lord? We're saying to the Lord, have my child. This is your child. And it's amazing somehow God blesses the family. There's a blessing when we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's great. Will you give your child to the Lord? Will you take what you have and say, Lord, I put it in upon your, into your hands. So the tithe is much like a test of the heart. Do you trust me with the rest of your entire life? Now, what's this point speaking to? This is speaking to people that are actually perhaps tithing and yet still not trusting God for the provision on the remaining 90%. I think there's two categories of people in this message. Those that have not yet trusted the 10% to the Lord. And so the whole 100%, it, it's not been blessed yet. The second group says, I've, I've given her the tithe. I can afford to tithe. And maybe you do make a lot of money to tithe. That's awesome. It's no skin off your back, you say. But you still sit up at night and you bite your nails and you're wondering and you're checking your, your service and your, what's happening in your financial accounts and, and you're wondering what's in, in, your, in, your, in this account or the savings account. And, and you're literally wondering whether or not you're going to have enough to sustain going on. If you're obedient with the tithe, I can promise you, God will redeem the rest. He will bless the rest. But stop worrying. Don't tithe and say, God, I did my part, and then still worry. Tithe, and in the release of the Lord, say, Lord, thank you. This house and its problems are your house and your problems. Amen? No joke, a couple days ago, or a few days ago, I had one of my cars, it was a little older, you know, I had a little bit of an issue with it, you know? And, uh, of course, in my own accounting, I have some money set aside for Murphy. You know, how many have had Murphy, right? <laughs> Murphy's Law, right? Have you ever heard of that? Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. When Murphy visits you sometimes, right? He knocks on the door at many inconvenient times. Well, I have a fund for Murphy, just in case he does show up. And when the car broke, I didn't even have to blink to write a $2,200 check. Because I said to the Lord, this is your car, this is your problem, this is your resources, you've given me the car, so praise the Lord. This is a part of the situation of my life. I trust you. I trust you. Some of you have roofs issues, leaks in your bathrooms. You're driving down the street and you're wondering, oh gosh, that muffler's going to fall off and it's going to hit somebody here. You've got tire treads that have no stickiness to the, to the, to the road and, and you're saying, God, how am I going to make it? Jaira will provide. Amen? Jaira will provide. When God redeems the rest, I literally, literally to every point say, God, you're going to find a way to pay for it. Amen? Every single time, I'm telling you, anytime I get to a moment, and God will always bring you to a moment where like, this is just not going to happen, this is impossible, I don't know how to pay for it, I don't know how to do it, and all of a sudden, God aligns certain things, shifts certain things, and all of a sudden, there is provision there. I have what I need, amen? Can we give God some praise? Romans eleven sixteen says, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. But if, if the root is holy, so are the branches. I have a couple, I remember a couple, uh, about almost eight or nine years ago, I used to teach a class up here in one of these classrooms. And I was uh, with a couple and uh, they were going through some financial issues. And the husband at the time was just struggling and he was he was taking overtime and extra jobs and this and that and every once in a while he'd have a day off and come into the growth group on our marriage class well I remember in that time I I remember I challenged him I said listen if you want financial blessing in your life get to church on Sunday and start tithing 
And he goes, I, I, you don't understand. If I don't work on my Sunday schedule, I won't have enough money <laughs> to make ends meet. And I said, trust the Lord here. Test the Lord on this. And so what he did is he came back next week. He said, Pastor, I actually quit my job on Sunday. I, took, I, I didn't take the extra hours. I told my boss, there's just no way I'm going to work on Sunday. It's a, it's a spiritual conviction. I'm going to give that day to the Lord. I said, good, amen. Watch, because God's going to do something. And within about a week's time, he had a job change that took place, and he was making $20,000 more a year in that next job. And he says, Pastor, I came back. I didn't have to work on the weekends. I started tithing, and the Lord began to bless. And I'm like, this is how the principle works. Amen? Ask any tither. I could have all the tithers. I'm not going to do that to you. But if I ask the tithers in the house, how many have experienced the blessing and the coverage and the protection of God on your life? Can you hear it? Amen? You know what I'm talking about. It's because God has come first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let me give you this last word in Malachi. A warning here. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? We're a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me, he says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in the tithes and the offerings. He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. That means the full 10%, not just the few percent. We're not tipping God. Here's a, here's a penny, God. Here it is. There it is. You did a miracle for me. You healed my eyesight, but here's 10 cents. A lot of people tip God, right? It's like, you know, if you give me a good blessing, I'll tip you, God. If you give me a really great blessing, I'll give you a bigger tip, right? God wants the consistency of the tithe. He says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me on this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. He says this, I will prevent, say prevent. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, which means he's going to block mammon. The mammon is assigning pests to take your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop the, ri- the fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations you, uh, will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. The 10% belongs to the Lord, and he promises blessing. Just to show you this illustration, I'm going to invite the worship team up really quickly here. Many of us, talking about the priority right here, what we do is we have a God bucket. And God has all the money he can possibly imagine and see and experience and give. And he loves to give, by the way. We have a generous God and he loves to give. We have me, this is my expenses, my costs, whatever I want to do, whatever I want to buy, all the toys, all of it, right? The light bill, everything. And I've got my income, and I like my income. I think I need more money in my income. Now, God uses income as a way to bless us. But what we do is we do a lot of this. A lot of me, maybe a few things to God. You know, Pastor Moses is coming. Pastor Tom did an amazing sermon. Pastor Nadine killed it. Okay, I'll give you a little extra God. But I really, okay, maybe I do a little income and savings, but I I have a lot. I really, really, you know, it's about me. It's about my value and my identity. And so, okay, God, I'll give you, you know, making me feel bad here, you know, that offering talk, you know, but it's really about me. You don't have this. You spent this. And God says, if you just had prioritized me, listen, oh boy, that's a lot. Remember we talked about God blessing you and it running all over the lap and all over the place. The Lord didn't even allow me to contain it. There was so much. Amen. I couldn't even lift the resources of God. Amen. And God just gives it to you and pours it out. And then we bubble over. We bubble over. Amen. And so that single mom that's going through some situations, I don't have a problem. That's easy. 
right? That neighbor that needs a little cash. I got it. That missionary that says, hey, I want to plant this school. 5,000 bucks, no problem. God, you can afford it. Amen. And I'm telling you, it is so much fun to give. It's so much more fun than to just take for ourselves. How many have had buyer's remorse as you buy those things, you put those things on, and then you're like, I just want to offer them up because I need the money. Come on now. You've been there, right? You wonder, oh, if I could just take it back because nothing feels like giving and it's a part of God's economy. Lord, help it not be about me. Help it be about God you first. I want to invite you to stand up on your feet. There's coins everywhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to just begin to raise your hands right now across this room. As much as I want to declare prosperity and, de- and declare great provision over your life and that Jairo will meet every one of our needs. Yes, all that is true. But it comes down to a moment of commitment to the Lord. God says, I want access to your tent. This is maybe for some one of the hardest steps you've ever taken in your life. But see the link to your heart. One penny out of ten. That's all he's asking. One penny out of ten. Let me tell you, if you can give him one penny out of ten pennies, then listen, you can give one thousand out of ten thousand. Or a hundred thousand out of a million. If you can't be faithful with the one penny, what says you can be faithful with the 100,000 when you're asking God for a million? Lord, in the name of Jesus, let's begin to raise our hands. I'm gonna invite the worship team. They're gonna lead us in a song really quickly here. But I, I wanna make a commitment before the Lord and just begin to ask and tell the Lord, Lord, have my heart, but behind my heart, Lord, I wanna give the tithe. Lord, help me to commit to the tithe. For others that are tithing, this is the rest of the 90%. Lord, I trust you with the redemption of the 90%, God. Do beyond with the 90% than I could ever do with the 100%. Lord, my bills, my future, everything belongs to you. We're going to just begin to sing over you. I just take a moment of just beginning to declare unto the Lord what belongs to him. Begin to reorder your heart. Begin to prioritize what God is asking you to prioritize. And let's watch God do a blessing. Amen. We're going to sing right here. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.